Welcome back to Beyond the Show, the interview podcast series that brings the educational experience of Cannabis Conference to the airwaves. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of Cannabis Conference and Cannabis Business Times. In this series, we're highlighting the world-class operators who will be speaking at the upcoming event, August 24th to the 26th in Las Vegas. You can learn more about the show at CannabisConference.com, and as you know, you can go beyond the show by subscribing to this podcast. This week, we're speaking with Jesse Shannon, Chief Growth Officer at Columbia Care. Jesse joined Columbia Care in December 2019 after more than a decade in digital marketing, consumer targeting, grassroots campaigns, and social media outside the cannabis space. He has advised and worked with some of the largest brands and agencies in the world, including Microsoft, AT&T, Honda, Starbucks, NBC, Red Bull, and more. Along with his work at Columbia Care, Jesse serves on the Entrepreneurship Advisory Board for the Harbert School of Business at Auburn University, the Marketing Board for UJA in New York City, and he mentors first-time founders of early-stage startups. At Cannabis Conference, he will be speaking on the panel, Marketing Strategies That Work, Even in the Most Restrictive States. And that's what he and I talked about in this interview. So please enjoy my conversation with Jesse Shannon. Certainly want to thank you for being here. Uh, it's great to have you aboard the podcast. I wanted to begin actually with just a few months ago, the news of the cannabis brand launch. I think that might be a good way of setting up a, a broader marketing conversation. So if you could just sort of set the stage for that launch back in you know, late April slash early May and what some of the goals were for the company when putting cannabis out into the world. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to. So it, it, was a, it was a really unique exercise, right? When, when I joined the organization, we knew that uh, there was ultimately going to need to be uh, a moment in, in the future and where we changed sort of the, the name on the door and the identity of the way in which we did business. And that really goes all the way back to, you know, who Columbia Care is as an operator, right? Uh, Columbia Care is, you know, one of the oldest companies in the space when it comes to providing medical products and had become <clears throat> really synonymous with medical and, and with uh, sort of those, those products and those solutions and really patient-focused and patient-centric. And I think that's one of the things that led to the rapid growth and sort of footprint of where we now operate, which is, you know, we're licensed in 18 jurisdictions, we operate in the EU, um, you know, and so we had this, this large scale operation, but we were also evolving a lot as an organization. We started operating in uh, adult use and recreational states, places like California, Massachusetts as it, transi as it transitioned to Illinois, and so we, as we started serving those communities and those customers, we realized that it, it may be time for a bit of a, a realignment, right? Um, to sort of put forth a retail experience and a brand that was more consistent with who we were now and, and ultimately who we were going to be in the future. And so when we went through that exercise of thinking about what does that look like? I mean, we looked at <clears throat> so many names and so many ideas and so many concepts. And eventually we came to this sort of, you know, a, a moment where we said, well, look, we know that we want to call the people inside 
the dispensary cannabis because that is a name that is you know almost like a sommelier of weed right it it is you know synonymous with people that are experts in the space that are super passionate about the plant and so we were like okay great well that's what we're going to call the associates and the experts what should we call the store and we eventually just sort of all looked at each other and said let's just name it after the people right the people that work there the people that shop there it's unapologetic. It's exactly who we are and who we, we strive to be, which is people that are passionate about the products. Um, again, unapologetic for what we do and what we sell. And a, a company that's focused on the ongoing education of both our employees as well as our customer base. And so that's ultimately how we landed at Cannabis. And really, you know, sort of the, the charge for how we're trying to build these, these higher experiences and these higher standards um, in the marketplaces and the communities that we serve. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the two words that uh, I want to pick up on there are people and education. Yeah. Um, you know, naming the store after the people um, seems like a really good uh, scene setter for uh, this conversation. Obviously, we're talking about marketing and so we're, we're talking about sales and business, but yep. cannabis, of course, is a unique industry where there's a tremendous uh, education component. So within the store context, on the floor, or within the actual building, uh, what does that education look like and how does that play into maybe some broader marketing goals? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. So we sort of try to put this concept of empathetic education at the center of everything that we do. When, when we're building these experiences, when we're building new technology like Forage, which was launched uh, recently. Um, and as we continue to innovate and put you know, more of these opportunities to engage right in the spaces. And to me, empathetic education really comes from my experiences in dispensaries, um, both in ours and others in watching those interactions and watching the way that the, the typical flow, right, from a retail point of view goes. And, and it really comes down to, you know, depending on what numbers you look at, this industry is going to grow exponentially over the next three to five years. So whether it ends up as a 60, 80, $100 billion plus industry, it's going to be significantly larger than what it is today. And that growth is going to come from people that we do not even serve today. So the customers and the patients that we serve today will not be the only catalyst for that exponential growth. That's lots of new people coming into the industry, integrating cannabis into their life, either for the first time or for the first time in a long time. And we see that time and time again. And so I think when you think about this concept of empathetic education, it's how do we create an environment that helps to foster those engagements, that feels comfortable, that doesn't feel pressured, that creates opportunities for passive education, right? The, the one thing that we don't want to fall into, the trap that we don't want to fall into is things get busy, people start lining up. Now you've got you know, this, this sort of range of uh, experience and expertise standing in that line and you push them to the front of the line, they end up at, a, uh, at a, a point of sale, and it's like, what do you want? And that's an that's a incredibly anxious moment, right, for anyone who's been in that position. Um, 
that's an anxious moment. And what you typically see is that people then sort of defer to the, the most common things or something that they've used before. And oftentimes that's not the best product, right? It's, it's not the best solution for what they're trying to accomplish. And so I think that, you know, we have to try to continue to create these opportunities for being more consultative, you know, in our, in our stores, in the cannabis stores uh, and, and those retrofits and net new builds, as you see sort of the, the brand really emerging throughout the country, you'll notice things like education bars, right? Where there's just sort of this, this obvious opportunity to, to belly up to the bar and speak with an expert. Um, technology, we have a exclusive partnership with a, a company called Lightbox, uh, founded by, by two brilliant guys, Sumant and Aditya, um, who have built uh, sort of, you know, hardware and software to enable us to provide these touchscreens all over uh, our, our uh, physical footprint um, that hosts all of the online menus, but also the software that we've built like Forage, which is the same things that you can use on mobile web outside of the four walls. So if you're trying to discover new products, there's all sorts of places for you to just pop in and, and do that and have a self-guided experience um, or a collaborative experience with uh, one of our associates uh, who's on the floor. And they are all trained and well-versed in being able to leverage that technology as, as just a guided experience to be able to ask the right questions and ultimately hone in um, on the right products and, and the right strains for what it is that you're trying to, trying to accomplish. So I think that all of these things are, are great foundations and great sort of steps in the right direction, but we know that we have to continuously evolve from there. And I think we're, we're very committed to doing that. So I think you'll see a lot of uh, resources and a lot of innovation poured into that education aspect in cannabis locations over the next couple of years. Excellent. Yeah, and there are certainly a few things I want to circle back to, uh, including the sort of new versus uh, longtime customers and, and how the messaging might differ between those two audiences. But I did want to just back up a little bit and um, maybe get a sense of uh, your own background. And sure. I know that you've worked with uh, a lot of major brands, uh, have quite the career before even coming to cannabis. So I just wanted to get a sense from you of of what that learning curve has been like, cannabis being such a unique industry with its own uh, unique set of regulations, um, especially around this marketing slash advertising space. Just over the past couple years or almost two years here uh, at, at Columbia Care, what's, um, what's that learning curve been like for you? No, it's, it's a, <laughs> look, it's a massive learning curve. And my, my background is a bit different, I think, from some of my peers in the space. So, I don't come from the CPG marketing, I, I say that in air quotes sort of background, although I've worked with, with many of them. Um, I come from more of a technology background, a couple startups uh, built on the back end of uh, publishers like Facebook and others, um, and uh, spent about seven years on Madison Avenue uh, running an ad tech uh, company on both the data and the services side. And what that afforded me was a really unique opportunity to spend a lot of time with some of the brightest people in marketing. Um, you know, social media and, and broader digital obviously was an incredibly hot topic and, and something that, you know, was mission critical 
to organizations. I mean, got the opportunity to work with everyone from, you know, Toyota and Honda to NBC, Starbucks, Red Bull. I mean, just the, a, a roster of, of who's who, right? The list goes on from there. And, you know, AT&T. And so when, when I think about, you know, what that background afforded me, it was access to, you know, again, some of the best and brightest in marketing and, and a front row seat to how they thought about everything from brand building to acquisition strategy to uh, media mix and how they ultimately tracked and attributed back uh, those campaigns and, and built their models for uh, success around that. And so I, it was just, I feel like it was almost like this perfect storm of like, oh man, I got a ton of access and opportunity to see pharmaceutical, CPG, automotive, entertainment, right? All of these in, incredible industries, how do they do what they do? Like what, what, what is some of the magic behind the curtain when it comes to these incredible marketers? Um, and, and these amazing agencies that ultimately built and, and executed these strategies for them. So fast forward, I come into cannabis and there's a lot of parallels between cannabis and early social media. When I first started working um, with Facebook, you know, as, as one of their uh, preferred marketing developers, which then eventually became, you know, another title and another one from there. But when we first started working on their back end, you know, Facebook was servicing, let's say, a couple hundred million people with a few dozen engineers. And it was, you know, it was an incredibly unbalanced equation. You had massive scale on one side, consumers who were, you know, playing Farmville and, and, and posting pictures of their grandkids, right, or whatever it may be. And then you had this, uh, you know, really small machine on the other side that was trying to keep pace with that demand. And so when I look at cannabis and especially, you know, the last year and a half that I've been with Columbia Care full time, it's very similar. There's a lot, you know, there's a, a, a handful of organizations that are, you know, not nearly as big as you would think they would be servicing an enormous amount of patients and customers um, with incredible scale in cultivation and manufacturing and distribution and retail and, and all of these things. And it's only going to keep getting bigger. So I noticed a lot of similarities there. And then, you know, we, we often joke around that marketing a cannabis company, and we'll get to the restrictions and things like that in a second, which is, you know, an incredible task. Um, you've got to be part CPG, part pharma, part, you know, uh, retail, all of these things sort of mixed together. And so I think that, you know, my background allowed me to see the way that each of those different industries, in a sense, approaches their marketing tactics and the way that they build their strategies. And I think that's just a, you know, a really unique, you know, I won't say advantage, but experience that, that I had that I think allows me to bring maybe a little bit of a different lens uh, to, to the industry and to our business. Yeah, and certainly want to get into some of those restrictions here that obviously play a role with any cannabis company's plans. And this might be a way of, of getting us into this conversation. Uh, with Columbia Care's footprint uh, across multiple states, you know, we've done a lot of stories about how a, a company might handle, for instance, SOPs or certain facility regulations with a, a multi-state footprint. But on the marketing side, there are some restrictions that vary from state to state, but um, how might you think about um, 
you know, the cannabis marketing messages in uh, the San Diego area versus the Tempe, Arizona area. And maybe that, I don't know if that's a good example or not, but, but from state to state, how are you trying to make sure that you're working around the regulations that are in place from one state to the next while also maintaining, you know, some consistency? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is, it's the question, right? Like I feel like it's the billion dollar question right now. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's really two main areas of, I'll say, restriction or challenge, right? That we deal with. You've touched on one of them, which is the nuance locally of how do we operate, right? The business in the sense of the the physical retail packaging, all of these things, right? So you look at a market like, let's look at California and then fly all the way across the country and look at Florida. So in California, we obviously have this incredibly robust retail ecosystem with open retail. You know, you mentioned San Diego store is incredible. Um, we've got an amazing staff there, just absolutely fantastic leadership. Um, gentleman named Eric Rodriguez, who's, who's leading that, that store in that area is just, you know, ha- has really created something very special there. And, you know, it's a very normalized shopping experience with lots of beautiful packaging and brands on, on the wall and, you know, third party products and, you know, it's, it's kind of what you'd expect. Right. And then you fly over to Florida and Florida is still a fairly restrictive medical program. Right. We've got um, probably some of the strictest packaging regulations in the country uh, with regards to, you know, the package needs to be white opaque and uh, it needs to have only one color print on it. So let's say like, you know, black lettering and um, no, no real logos or uh, you know, anything like, so it's, it's, okay, how do you build product brands there, right? And so with the cannabis, the way that we look at it is, first and foremost, you put the customer at the center and you say, what are the things that we think that they truly care about? And how can we remain consistent from market to market? Are we going to be able to offer the same open retail experience in Florida as we are in California? Absolutely not. Can we have beautiful spaces that feel very warm and inviting um, that and a brand built on a concept of engagement, right? Empathetic education and consistent quality that, that you always know what you're going to get. Yeah, I, I think we can still do that, right? Um, can we forward think the investment in infrastructure? Uh, education bars today become more like engagement bars tomorrow, which become consumption bars the next day, right? How do you continue to think and put in place these build-outs and these mechanisms that can continue to evolve and adapt with these markets and with the customer base so that, you know, we're always on the front foot when it comes to being able to service people in in the way that we're now allowed as, as regulations continue to change. Um, so I think that, you know, there's no products called cannabis. There's no flower brand called cannabis. There's no edibles called cannabis, right? That the, you know, the, the logo and the mark that you see on the door is meant to represent the retail experience, the education experience, the technology experience. You know, we refer to it as a, a higher experience, right? Built on a higher standard and a higher knowledge and a higher calling. And those things I think can remain consistent without sort of bogging ourselves down and thinking about the, the product branding, 
those brands like Triple Seven and Seed and Strain, uh, Amber Classics, Plant Sugar Press, all of these brands that we manufacture and that we put into market, those can have those identities, right? And 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 that can change from market to market depending on regulatory. But we want to try to provide the most consistent experience possible inside the four walls. And so that's that's really the approach there, right? When it comes to that first set of restrictions, which is in the physical world that we operate. The other set of restrictions is how is it that we can communicate with our current and potential customers? And that is, you know, a challenge. Um, I come from a world of digital, of trying to push the boundaries on ways to interact and to, you know, be very hyper-targeted and very direct in the messaging to prospects and customers. Um, this, you know, sort of almost holy grail of one-to-one marketing, of incredibly tailored messaging, of building custom audiences and lookalike audiences and all of these things on digital. And then you get to cannabis and it's like, you can buy a billboard, you can take out a page in a magazine. Thank goodness there are companies like, you know, Philo and Vana and others at this point that have cracked the code on how to do compliant programmatic advertising. So at least we have programmatic display advertising that we can do, right? Um, we can we can craft some partnerships here and there, but TV's a no, paid social's a no. Um, most of the incredibly powerful acquisition uh, channels that we've all been become accustomed to and sort of spoiled by as marketers are, are pretty much a no. Um, and that is like, you know, you're almost going back in time. It's like, take, take away the internet and, you know, take away TV and now go market to your customers. And so I think it, it puts the industry in, you know, a really interesting place because we've got to figure out these creative ways to continue to find partnerships and sponsorships and avenues where we can put our messages out and, and attract those net new customers, especially knowing that, again, so many of them don't even exist today. The, the, the customers that will really make that market in 2024 are just now starting to even maybe think about looking into these products in 2021. It's, it's a unique challenge. And so I think that that's the two areas I think that are the most interesting restrictions is how we operate in the physical world with regards to that branding, those retail experiences, the differentiation between and the nuance between those markets. Um, and then how we operate in the sort of marketing omni-channel world from communications, which is how do we reach those people in a meaningful way um, that also allows for some level of efficiency in targeting or, or costing. And those are both incredible challenges right now. Yeah, certainly no small task there. Um, you know, on the back end of, of either marketing campaigns or um, communications with, with the customer or patient base, uh, I want to get a sense of how you might assess a strategy's success and whether that's specific KPIs or um, even sales numbers, sales figures. Yeah. Um, what are you doing on the back end of these to gauge whether it's either bringing in new customers or maintaining that loyal base that has been there already, things like that? So look, I mean, I think that um, you have to be very practical right now about what you measure and what you focus on. And I think that, you know, it's very easy to fall into some of these fallacies when it comes to data of, 
you know, making too large or too fast of adjustments based on some of the, the reporting or the data that we see. I think that, you know, we have to be focused on brand building and building awareness and building equity in these brands, but we also have to be very practical about moving people into the experiences that will ultimately help to build those brands. And so for us, the key metrics are usually always around uh, uh, foot traffic attribution or you know, door flips um, or uh, driving actions online or registration on things like loyalty program or uh, you know, newsletter learning more, uh, redeeming promotions, anything like that, right? So we measure everything that we can. And I think that Columbia Care for, you know, the last year or so has been um, heavily invested in re-architecting our entire uh, data platform, our, our whole technology stack, in order to sort of future-proof ourselves a bit of, you know, we can't leverage all of these data sets to do a lot of the really interesting things that we would love to be able to do right now, but at some point we'll be able to. And so we need to be ready and that, that information needs to be accessible and it needs to be organized in a way that will make us a first mover and make us very powerful, right? And being able to do those things. And so we've, we've remained very committed to that. Um, but at the end of the day right now for us, the vast majority of what we do from an execution point of view and budget is directly aligned to foot traffic and or actions that can be tracked or attributed online. Um, the remainder of the budget is then moved towards brand building, general brand awareness, things like that. But, but you know, awareness campaigns are just not a luxury <clears throat> that we can afford right now. Our job is to help facilitate bringing new patients and customers into our dispensaries to hopefully surprise them with a great experience um, and great products and create, you know, loyal customers. That, that's the name of the game for us right now. And so I think, you know, the, again, those, those metrics that can be measured in that way, which, you know, foot traffic and, and you know, store visits and things like that, those, those are the most important for us. Absolutely. And it sort of plays back into that umbrella idea of empathetic education and all the, all the different spokes that come off of that. Um, you know, looking ahead to, to Cannabis Conference uh, in, out in Las Vegas, um, of course, this conversation is going to sort of continue in panel discussion form. And so I wanted to get a sense from you of, of what you're hoping that attendees might be able to take back to their business sort of in the, in the aftermath of, of Cannabis Conference, whether that's a, a practical sort of action item or something more theoretical slash educational. Um, well, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, so if you're in the cannabis space and you operate one of the many incredible product brands that we see, hopefully what you can take away is we're, we're trying to create a great home to showcase those, those brands and that hard work and people that are so passionate and are creating really beautiful things. We want to create a great place for those brands to live, right? So that's one thing. Um, if you're another large operator in the space, I hope you I hope you take away very little and you're like, man, these guys have no idea what they're doing and I'm not going to try to copy anything that they're doing. Um, <laughs> if, if you're from outside our industry, I, I hope you leave the conference uh, feeling bad for us, but also excited about the future of what partnerships could look like, of what, uh, you know, sort of co-marketing tactics. Um, we already see some of that. Again, I mentioned a company, Philo, earlier who works with 
you know, cannabis companies like ourselves, but also with mainstream brands to leverage uh, the audiences that we create through our campaign data exhaust, right? Um, to target net new people that, that they may be missing, but would really be interested in their products because they also, they already show an affinity to certain cannabis products that we know closely align with those things, whether it be the outdoors or athletics or, uh, you know, food and beverage, you know, the list goes on, right? And so I think that, you know, what I'd love for people to take away from these conversations is there, there's a lot of people who are really passionate, who are, you know, relatively intelligent, who are trying really hard to, to craft the future for an industry that we all think will make a big impact in people's lives, whether it's from a health and wellness point of view or, you know, just a, a, a fun, lightweight way to, uh, you know, provide recreation or, uh, you know, make your, make your dad jokes funnier, however you want to look at it. Um, <laughs> I think that that's, that's the exciting part right now is that, you know, a, a lot of uh, people from outside our industry, I think will start to look in and say, oh, I recognize this. This is that moment when everything starts to get a little bit bigger and a little bit more innovative. And there's a lot of people that are committed to trying to do that. And much of it is based off of the blueprints that other great marketers have laid in other industries. And so that's, that's you know, I, I, I hope what people come away with understanding that we are, we are bracing for impact and we are ready for the changes in the scale that we all think are inevitably coming. Certainly an exciting time with, uh, with a lot to look forward to. And Jesse, we're very excited to have you uh, aboard for Cannabis Conference 21 in, in really just a few short weeks here. It's going to be great. Well, it's been a pleasure. And thanks so much for the time. And I, I am excited to uh, see everyone in person. It's, it's nice to hopefully be able to get back together with uh, some new and old friends now coming out of uh, what's been an incredibly trying year and a half for everyone. So re ready to get back to it. And that's it for us this week. That was episode eight of Beyond the Show with Jesse Shannon from Columbia Care. Really hope you enjoyed that conversation. It's now August 2021. That means we are in the month of Cannabis Conference 2021 out in Las Vegas. We've all been preparing here at Cannabis Business Times, Cannabis Dispensary, Hemp Grower World Headquarters, uh, GIE Media, of course. And uh, it's coming up real fast. So we're going to be out there in Las Vegas, August 24th to the 26th with Jesse Shannon and many other fantastic speakers. You can read all about them at CannabisConference.com. And uh, if you want to go beyond the show, you know what to do. Subscribe to the podcast and stay tuned for future episodes where we'll be talking to many of the speakers at this show and beyond.